Everybody say the word. We love the word, don't we? I love the word of God. Hallelujah. So we're in, in the book of Galatians. We're in, going to be starting Galatians, the third chapter tonight. And uh, we're going through it verse by verse. And we're going to be looking at the first 14 verses of, um, of Galatians. We're going to be uh, mainly looking at the thought that we're redeemed from the curse. Everybody say, I'm redeemed from the curse. Man, I am so glad that I'm redeemed from the curse. It has no authority over me. Uh, I've been set free through the precious blood of Jesus. And so we're going to start in, in Galatians, the third chapter, and we'll begin in the first verse. We're going through this uh, verse by verse, so uh, we'll be spending about eight weeks looking at Galatians. And so <clears throat> that means counting tonight, we got six more sessions to go. Um, but he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And so, <clears throat> you know, remember we've been talking about Paul, how he's confronting the Galatians because uh, they had begun in the spirit, they were uh, walking in grace, and then the Judaizers came along, came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and began to bring the law back upon them, legalism back into their lives. And as a result of that, you know, we're going to see later on, well, you know, where they, they, they played hypocrisy because they, they went back to that which they had been delivered from. And so <clears throat> Paul doesn't uh, mince words here. He's very... He is very direct. He says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And so now, you know, he's been talking about what's been coming against. Now he's, he's speaking directly to the Galatians. And he says, You foolish Galatians. And this foolish, literally, he's saying, You stupid Galatians. See, it's all right to say stupid. You know, but he, he calls them stupid. He says, you stupid Galatians, who has bewitched you? And this word bewitched in the Greek is baskednio, and it means, it means the evil eye. Or you would say, who hypnotized you? You know, <clears throat> what he's talking about is these, these Judaizers come down, and, and have you ever noticed that there's, there's individuals, they can come along and they can, they can speak with, with such authority that it almost hypnotizes you from the standpoint you don't feel like you can come against it. That's what's happening here. It's like they've been, it's, it's like they've been hypnotized. The evil eye, who's bewitched you? Uh, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And so what he's, what he's making reference to there at the end uh, is that you were at the place where you recognized that it was completely through the crucifixion of Christ that you're delivered, his death, burial, and resurrection. And so what he's saying is that you've been hypnotized, you've been bewitched, you've received the evil eye, and you've strayed from that. 
And what he's going to be doing with the Galatians is he wants to bring them back to where they put their trust, where they put their confidence completely in Christ and in he alone. Second verse. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He's saying you were not saved by keeping the law. The Spirit that he's talking about here, he's not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Spirit of, of regeneration. He's talking about when we were born again talking about when the Galatians were, were born again. That's what he's talking about here where he's speaking concerning the Spirit. You know, I think as Spirit-filled believers, as Pentecostals, sometimes our terminology um, leave people that haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they've been born again, we leave them with the impression that we don't believe that they have, they have the Spirit. They have the Spirit. You can't be born again without the Spirit of God. You know, thank God there's more in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we receive this, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Spirit of God. That's, that's the Spirit of re regeneration. That's how we're born again, is through the Holy Spirit. Um, remember we talked about earlier how, how Paul uses debate tactics. And, and one of the, the, the tactics of debate is you get somebody to the point where they, they start nodding with you. Because the moment that you can get them to start agreeing with you, start nodding with you, you got them. You got them right where, they, where, where you want them to be. And, and see, that's what, what Paul is doing here. He's saying, how did you receive it? Did you receive it by keeping the law? And it's a rhetorical question because he knows and they know that that's not how they received it. They received it by the Spirit of God. And so, you know, I've got several passages in your, in your notes. You can look those up later for yourself. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's how we're born again. It's the Spirit of God that illuminates the Scripture in our life so that we can walk in it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved. By faith and not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so it's because of the grace of God um, that we're, we're saved. And then he goes on, or the scriptures that we have there, we have in 1 Corinthians, uh, the sixth chapter, and there it's talking about uh, the Holy Spirit and how he's involved uh, with the new birth and with being born again. And in, in the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians, in the 19th and the 20th verse, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You know, we, we say that intellectually from the standpoint that we read it in the Scriptures. But do we know that? Do we know that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That means everywhere that I go, the Holy Spirit goes with me. He's right there. That's why I, 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 I'm never in a jam. Let me, let me rephrase that. 
I should never be in a jam where I can't figure my way out because I don't have to figure it out because I've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me to show me the way. And so he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to God. You're here. You're, you, 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 no longer, you, no, you no longer possess yourself. <laughs> you may possess a body, but he possesses you. You live in a body, but we belong to him. Uh, in, in Romans 5, verse 5, it says, now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. You know, when we, when we can come to the understanding of some of these truths, we say we can't love people. Yes, you can, because you have the great lover on the inside of you. And that, that love that possesses you, empowers you, to be able to love others, to be able to deal with circumstances that come our way. In Romans 8, verse 8 and 9. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, everybody say, but me. You see, you, you got to make the Word of God personal. I listened to a message the other day because somebody wanted me to listen to it. And uh, it was good. It was very intellectual. But after listening to it, I thought, Now, how can I apply this to my life today? And I couldn't figure it out. And we, we, sometimes within the church, we have this weird concept. We have this concept that if something is deep, that it's hard for me to figure out, it must really be spiritual. Now, I found out something about deep things. They're deep. And they probably need to be buried. Because they can't really take and apply it to my life. Because if I can't apply it to my everyday life, if this, if this Bible, if this book cannot be applied to my everyday life, then what benefit is it? It's historical. It's like I told somebody the other day, you can, you can go in my office and you can look at the whole left side of my shelf and it's all, it's all history books on, on Germany and the Second World War and presidents and stuff. And, and I love history. But you know what? It's just head stuff. I mean, you, you can always use the term, you know, you got to use history because history repeats itself and you don't want to repeat yourself. Well, let me tell you something. 
The Bible will show you stuff that history will never show you. And so you don't have to do it in the first place. Now, if, if this book is just history, well, it's interesting then. But I don't want something that's, history, that's interesting. I want something that'll change my life. And that's what the Word of God does. That's what the Spirit of God does. It changes our life. Well, let me, let me read this now. Where was I? Um, in Romans, the 8th chapter and the 8th verse, and it says, so, <clears throat> so then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. So you can't be born again and not have the Spirit of God. So is everybody here today born again? Then don't you ever say again that I can't hear from God. Because if you don't hear from God, it's because you're not listening. Because He's on the inside of you speaking to you. Verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. I don't know what you think. I think that's kind of exciting. We'll look at this in a couple of weeks in Galatians 4, 6. It says, And because you are sons of God, and because you are sons, God has sent forth His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is a term of endearment. It's like when a child calls his dad, daddy. We have a right. You know, this, 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 this drove the Jews nuts. Remember when Jesus, you know, talked about, I mean, this drives them nuts. Why? Because they, they could not address the father with any intimacy because they did not have a relationship with him. Not only were we freed from the law, we were freed from not having a relationship with our Father God. That all happened, that was accomplished through Jesus. And so basically what he's saying here is, let's go back to the beginning. Let's look back to the beginning. How did you start all of this? Larry Christensen is a, Lutheran author that I read when, during the Charismatic Renewal, he had a book out. And uh, the title of the book, I mean, it was very simplistic, but I, I've tried to find it again, and I never have, because it was one of the first books that I ever read. Not when I became a Christian, I, I mean, one of the first books that I ever read, because, you know, going to school, we had to give book reports, but that's what that cover was for. That's about the extent of any book that I ever read. So, and so, this was one of the first books that I ever read. And the title of the book was Back to Square One. And in it, what he, what he, the, the main focus of the book is that when you reach a point in your life of indecision where you're having difficulty and you feel like you're not hearing from God, go back to square one. Go back to that place where you knew that you were hearing His voice. 
And that's basically what he's doing. He's trying to bring them back to that point of remembrance to realize that it was not the law that brought me to Jesus. It was the Spirit of God. It was the grace of God that brought me to that point. And so then we move on into verse 3, and he says, Are you so foolish? And Aaron here he uses that same word again. Are you so stupid? <laughs> no, you can't do that in church today because, you know, people would get offended, they'd run out. But, you know, Paul, he says, Are you so stupid, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Remember the twofold um, truths that are laid side by side in this whole book. You know, <clears throat> the first is salvation is not by works. And the second truth is spirituality is not by works. And so that's what he's talking about here. He's bringing them back to that point. And he says, are you now being made perfect by the, by the flesh? And that word perfect is the Greek word tele, telesio, telestias. And it, it, it means made mature. Now are you becoming mature by the works of your flesh? And once again, it's a rhetorical question because the answer is no. But notice what he's doing. He's, he's addressing them and he's getting them to that place where they're going to be in agreement with him so that he can lay the hammer down on them. Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? After going through all the tests and the trials that you've gone through, how did you make it through it? You made it through by faith. Everything that we endure in life, the way that we make it through is by faith. Calling those things that be not as though they be. Not being moved by what we see, but being moved by what we know. We do it by faith. And so the Galatians had gone through all sorts of trials. They had to reject much of their history and where they had come from, especially the Jews. But they made it through it, and he says, Have you suffered so many things in vain? And what the vain is, why he's saying, Have you suffered this in vain? He's basically saying, If you're going back to the law, then everything that you've suffered is in vain. And he's saying, don't go back there. But then he says, if indeed it was in vain. Remember, we looked at the, the four different classes of if. If and it is so, if and it might be so, if it maybe is and maybe isn't, if and it's not. This is the third class. Maybe it is and maybe it not. In other words, he's saying, it's not too late for you yet. There's still hope for you yet because maybe it is true, maybe it isn't true that you've suffered all this in vain. Then we go on into verse, verse 5 and he says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing 
of faith. And here he's making reference back to verse 2 again. But he's saying what we're seeing, the effects that you're experiencing in your life, that it come about by the works of the law, by your works, or was it by, by faith? Was it by the grace of God? You know, how many miracles did you see when you were operating under the law? How many people did you see getting saved when you were operating under the law? How many people were baptized in the Holy Spirit when you were operating under the law? And so here he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, which is a manifestation of grace in our life. And he's saying, so when did all this take place? You know, it's an interesting phenomenon. If you take a church, and that church reverts back to placing themselves under the law, you're going to cease to see the miracles. You're going to cease to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I saw this in a very um, minor way how it operated. You know, we had, uh, you know, I pastored for two years in Wapaka, Wisconsin, and we had a family that had come over. They'd come over from a denominational church that was uh, very rigid with their um, Sunday morning services, with their uh, liturgy and so forth. And, and there came a point where they needed to decide, you know, whether they were going to join us at New Life Fellowship is what we were up there, if they were going to go back to the other. And, and they spoke, spoke to one of their, their daughters, and she is probably, I would, looking back, I would guess she was probably a fifth or a sixth grader someplace in there. And, and the mom had said to her, which, which church do you prefer going to? Do you prefer going to the church that we came from, or do you like the new church that we're going to? And she says, oh, I, I like the new church that we're going to, as New Life Fellowship. And they said, well, why do, you, why do you like going to that church? And she says, because I don't have to be afraid of doing something wrong. You know, because you got to stand when you got to stand, you got to sit when you're supposed to sit, and you got to speak when you're supposed to speak, and don't speak when you're not supposed to speak. So here's this little girl. She'd go to church, and she was fearful through the whole time that she'd do something wrong. I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like the grace of God to me. That doesn't sound like the love of God to me. You know, fear is a tremendous motivator. It's just not the kind of motivator that God wants to motivate us with. He wants to motivate us um, with love. And so it'll, it'll stop the working of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at a few passages where Paul preached and ministered in the Spirit. <clears throat> and in Acts, the 13th chapter, and the 48th verse, and it says, Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the Lord. And as many as had that were appointed to eternal life believed. In other words, Paul went in there and he began to preach this message and people believed 
and people were being saved. We go into the next chapter in verse 3. It says, Therefore they stayed there a long time, preaching boldly in the Lord, who is bearing witness of the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And so they, here they are, they're in Iconium, and that's, that's within the region of Galatia. And they're, they're preaching the message of grace, the gospel of grace, and signs and wonders are being um, performed through the hands of the disciples, through the hands of the apostles. Dropping down to the sixth verse. They came aware of it and fled to Lestra and uh, Derbe, um, cities of Laconian, and to the surrounding region, and that's the region of Galatia. And they were preaching the gospel there. Notice what they're doing. They were preaching the gospel. You know, the Bible says that when we preach the gospel, it says at the end of the, uh, of the gospel of Mark, he says that when we preach the gospel, he will confirm that word with signs following. And that's exactly what was happening with Paul and with his ministry. He was preaching the gospel. And that word that he preached was confirmed by signs following. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, <clears throat> was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observed him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. Why? Because he heard the word being preached. The gospel. See, the, the gospel is more than just simply getting saved. The gospel is the power of God being released in our lives so that we can be saved, so that we can be healed, so that we can be delivered, so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the working of the Holy Spirit. Then going on in, in Galatians, the third chapter in the sixth verse. And it says, well, let's back up and read the fifth verse and go into the sixth verse. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit uh, to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? And again, he's getting them right where they want because they've got to admit it was by the hearing of faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, just as Abraham. And so now here what we see happening is Paul changes his focus just a little bit. And he begins to focus on Abraham. And the reason that he begins to focus on Abraham is because the Judaizers were using Abraham as the example or or why they need to obey the law, because Abraham, that's, he, he operated under the law. And so, this is why Paul then begins to direct his attention to Abraham, because of what the Judaizers had said, and, and, and what, what they were, the misinformation 
that they were bringing. Uh, backing up to Romans again for just a moment. In Romans, the fourth chapter, it's a portion of the scripture we're all <clears throat> familiar with. But in Romans 4, 1, it says, What then shall we say about Abraham our father? Has found according to the flesh. Let me try that again. And then shall, and then shall we say, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? See, that's what it all comes back to. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. See, if we, if we apply to works, we say, God, you owe me something. But you know what? God doesn't owe me anything. Because everything I receive from God is by grace. It's His grace. And so He says, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted as righteousness. Now the thing that I want us to see in this is it doesn't matter whether you're looking in the Old Testament or the New Testament. The means of salvation was always the same. Is faith. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. For by faith for by grace we've been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, he starts this scripture, he says, just as Abraham, or we could say, even so, there's a comparison. There's a quote from Genesis 15. It's because of his belief that he had a relationship with God. It's because of our belief, our faith, that we have relationship with God. Verse seven, therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. We're going to be getting into the fact that Abraham had two sets of offsprings. He had a son by Sarah and he had a son by Hagar. We'll get into that later on. But he, he had two sets of sons. In the Greek, the word technon uh, is talking about children. But then there's another Greek word, and it's the Greek word huos. And that's the word that's being used here for sons, and it means an adult son. 
we'll get into more of this as we go along too, because that's, that's, it's very significant for us to understand that when the Bible is referring to us, talking about us as being sons of God, it, it uses, in the Greek, it uses the word huos. And that means a mature son of God. Sometimes we don't feel very spiritual, or maybe it's just me. So let me rephrase that. Sometimes I don't feel very spiritual. I don't feel very mature. But it isn't based on what I feel. What's important is how God sees me. And God sees me as a huos. God sees me as a mature son. And so we need to stop talking about ourselves as being so immature and being babies and being all this kind of stuff. We need to begin to agree with God. I'm a mature son of God. He gives me understanding. I see clearly. And so, technon describes the Jews. They were children. Huos describes us, the born-again believers. That's what he makes reference. That's what he calls us in verse 7. He calls us mature sons. We are sons of God. In Romans, the ninth chapter, I'm going to begin reading in the first verse. It says, I tell the truth in Christ. Aren't you glad he tells the truth in Christ? I'm not lying. You think maybe he's trying to convince them that it, this is the truth, that he's not trying to deceive them? I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Ghost isn't condemning me. He's agreeing with me that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed for Christ, for my brethren, my, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. He's talking about the Jews. I mean, th this is probably one of the most profound statements of love that individu an individual could possibly make concerning a group of people. He's not talking about physical death here. Paul is talking about that he, if he could, he would exchange his very salvation for his countrymen, the Israelites, the Jews, if they would be saved in his place. But he can't do it. That's how badly he wants them to be saved. Who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, to whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, 
the eternal blessed God. But it is not, but it is not that the word of God has spoken, taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel. He's saying the true Israel are the ones that are born again. Nor are, all they, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. Remember what we read earlier, that they're not all of him because it's of faith, because there's some, they just, they just practice the rituals. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. That is those who are the children, that is those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but with Rebekah also, when had Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac. And so he's saying, not everybody is of the seed that claim to be of the seed. You, you could see that when we were in Israel. They were going through the motions. Even in the airports, they'd, they'd find a corner and they'd pay, point east and they'd be standing there going through their religious things. And, and when it was done, it was done. When we went to the wailing wall, they'd take their little beanie and they'd put it on their hat and they'd take their little thing and stick it in the wall. But you could tell they were just going through the motions. There was no life in them. You see, we have life because of, of Jesus. So he's, um, he's not talking about, he's saying it's, it's still faith. Even in the Old Testament, it wasn't because they kept laws. The laws were there to show them they couldn't do it. It was because of faith. Now, they kept the laws. They ought to have kept the laws. But they did it of faith. But see, the problem with, with keeping laws is that it can, just, it, it can just become ritualistic. And that's why so much of the church has become so ritualistic because this is what we do in our church and so that's what we do every for the last century and a half this is what we do it's just become ritual is there faith involved i mean i remember growing up in the church that i went to and we'd go through the liturgy and i never picked up the hymn though to go through the liturgy because i knew the liturgy just stood there stood there and when we did it we just i just rattled it off got born again on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, went to the same church. We're going to go through the liturgy. I picked up the hymnal. I read the liturgy. I was amazed. It's really good. But something had happened, not to the liturgy. Something had happened to me. That's the difference. What's happened to us? What's happened to the inside of us? Galatians, the eighth verse. Galatians 3, 8. 
And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. See, the promise that was given to Abraham that it wasn't just going to be his foreign no more. It's going to be to all nations, not just the Israelites, not just the Jewish nations, but the promise that was given to Abraham was given to all nations. Tells us that in, in Genesis 12, 3, all nations shall be blessed. And how are the nations blessed? By faith. Foreseen. In other words, beforehand. Beforehand, before what? Remember one of the issues that he's had to deal with? Circumcision. Before circumcision. That's the reference that's being, that, that, that Paul is talking about. Before circumcision. <clears throat> Abraham encountered God when he was 75 years old. By faith, he encountered God. That was 24 years before he was circumcised. He was circumcised at the age of 99. So 24 years before circumcision, and the reason that this is important is they're saying that circumcision is essential for salvation. Abraham is our example. Abraham believed in God 24 years before circumcision. But then we take it even a step further. They're saying that because of the law, because Abraham uh, kept the law, we need to keep the law. Abraham died 430 years before the law was given. Abraham never saw the law. Abraham was completely if I can use the term, you know, understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying he was born again. But he knew God. He was saved 24 years before circumcision, 430 years before the law was ever given. And so what he's saying is what you're, what you're talking about here is irrelevant towards salvation. John 8, 56 your father rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Remember the controversy, controversy that that brought up? Because they said to Jesus, how can you say that? Because, you know, you never, you're, you're just a young man. What he's talking about is how Abraham, you know, he encountered Abraham because Abraham encountered Jesus. He wasn't in the physical form, but he encountered him. Galatians 3, 9 and 10, it says, So then, so then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So then, Galatians, those of you that are of faith are, of, are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. Whew, that's heavy. 
In other words, he's saying, for as many of you are, that are trusting in your works for salvation, for spirituality, you're cursed. Why are you cursed? Because you can't do it. If you obey the law to be for, for salvation, if you obey the law for spirituality, if you do it for those reasons, you keep it all. If you fail in one point, you have failed. If I am living by keeping the law, my spirituality is dependent upon me keeping the law. If I lie, I'm a murderer. I'm an adulterer. I'm guilty of all the law if I'm guilty in one point. And so we either keep it all or we keep nothing. Uh, that didn't sound right. We still keep it. But out of the spirit of love. There's a new law that's been written in my heart, our hearts, and we'll talk about that at another time. It's the law of love. If I love my neighbor, I don't steal from my neighbor. I don't kill my neighbor. I don't commit adultery with my neighbor's wife. I don't covet what my neighbor has. If I have the law of love in operation in my life, I honor my, my God. I put no other gods before him. He's first place in everything in my life. That's what the law of love does. And you see, it's written on my heart. I have nothing against the tablets of stone, but I don't need a tablet of stone. I've got it written in my heart because of the spirit of the living God who lives on the inside of me. And so with the law, there's two parts to the law. There's the curse and there's the blessing. If you try to keep the law, it says you're cursed because it's dependent upon effort. And with our effort, we'll always fall short. Now, I'm not saying when we walk by faith that we're not supposed to implement effort. But we keep it by faith. We don't, keep, we don't, we don't do it to gain brownie points with God. We do it because we love Him. We serve Him. But by faith, we keep the law because you're looking to the one who kept it and you're blessed. See, as long as I keep my eyes on Jesus, I'm blessed. But you know what? There's another thing. As long as I keep my eyes on Jesus, I'm not going to do what the law says I'm not supposed to do. Because the Holy Spirit will never lead me in this direction, in that direction. <clears throat> Now, don't throw anything at me. But each and every one of us in this room, we have the potential of living a perfect life. Because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, every moment of every day will live the perfect life. But we don't. When do we mess up? When we stop listening to Him. When we start listening to self. When we start allowing the flesh to have its way. James 2.10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of it all. It's a quote from Deuteronomy 27, 26. 
cursing the one who does not confirm all the words of the law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Fail in one point, fail in all. And see, there's where the children of Israel messed up again. He, he, he lays it out there in front of them. They say, Amen, we're going to do it. So he's been the problem of man. Man thinks they can handle it on them, their cells. They, they think they can do it by themselves. Moses goes up the mountain. He gets the, the, the Ten Commandments. He comes down with the law. He gets down there. What, they, they got tired of waiting. So they built a golden calf. They're falling before it. They're, they're doing it in their own strength, their own ability once again. Over and over again. That's, that's what we see. And you know what? Every one of us are subject to that. That's why this book of Galatians is so important. It isn't just simply written to them. It's written to us. It's a reminder to us. How did I begin? I began on a Saturday morning in the basement of Vern Lewis's house, putting my trust and confidence completely in Jesus. And by the Spirit of God, I was born again. And that, that was the beginning. And it continues. And that's how it is for each and every one of us. But each and every one of us, we have a tendency to fall prey to wanting to do it ourselves, to wanting to do it our way, to wanting to... You know, that's the, that's the biggest problem with Christianity. It isn't dependent upon you. It's all dependent upon Jesus. And I can't do anything to do it. I can only trust Him. And we have a problem with that. Because we want to do it ourselves. Amen. Don't shut me down. Just some preaching good. Galatians 3.11 but that no one, no one, everybody say no one, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And you know what? Once again, we're not just talking about the New Testament saints, we're talking about the Old Testament saints because that's a quote from Habakkuk 2.4. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright to him, but the just shall live by faith. You're not just saved by faith. You're kept by faith. That's why we have confidence because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.12. It says, yet the law <clears throat> is not of faith, but the man who does them She'll love by, live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by faith. Law and faith are contrary to one another. But it's not saying that if we live by faith that we're not, we're not going to keep the law. We do, but we do it by faith. We don't do it by effort. Now that doesn't mean... We, <laughs> it, it, it's so... Difficult because to say there's no effort. Well, I'm not going to get up in the morning then. Well, you're a sluggard then. And don't expect to receive anything from God. And so there's effort that's involved. But it's not effort to gain. It's effort to serve. 
because we become a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever he calls me to do, I'm going to do it. Not because I have to, but because I want to serve you. I want to be, I want to be pleasing to you. You know, last night after all you ladies left, I did the dishes. I picked up the chairs. I picked up your dirty napkins. But wasn't to get anything. I, I, no, I better just stop right there. She went to bed. To sleep. We're adults. And, uh, but, but I did it because I love her. Amen. I did it to please her. She got up this morning. She says, thank you so much for picking stuff up. And I says, you're welcome. But see, that's, that's why we serve God. I don't do something because God says, I have to. I do it because I want to be pleasing to him. I'm here tonight, just not because I have to. Why? They won't write out my check if I don't come here on Wednesday nights. No, I'd be here tonight if I didn't get a check. No, let's not test that out. But you understand, why do we serve God? It's out of love. It's not out of obligation. Those that are under the law serve God out of obligation. I don't ever want to be obligated to serve God. Now, it would be just and well if I, if I were, because he's done so much to me that there should be some obligation there. But I'm not. He doesn't expect that of me. He wants my service to him to be out of love. Now, in your notes, um, it talks about the curse and the blessing. And instructions were given to Moses that the children of Israel to be split into two groups and Half the tribes were on one mountain, one on the other mountain. One mountain was blessing, the other mountain was cursing. And then they read the law, and uh, the Levites read the law, and everybody said amen. In other words, if, this, if we don't do this, this is what's going to happen. Amen. If we don't do this, this is what's going to happen. Amen. And so that was the cursing. And, and we, we, we see that in, in Deuteronomy 27 you, when you read that. But then we go over to Deuteronomy 28, and that's just a lot of words. So I'm not going to continue this over into next time. But then it's a continuation into Deuteronomy 28. And in Deuteronomy 28, it talks about uh, the blessing and the cursing. The first 14 verses talk about the blessing. The rest talks about the curses. And in the curse, there's, a, there, there, there's three elements or there's three classes. There's... There's sickness, there's poverty, and there's death. And in your notes, I've got Jesus, our substitute. And on the left side is the law and the curse. Sickness, poverty, death. In the middle of scriptures, and those scriptures reveal to you how Jesus became that for us. And so <clears throat> then on the right side is the blessing of Abraham, or Abraham and the blessing. And Jesus, it says, remember what it says in just a little bit here. 
that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every man that hangs upon the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentile. That's you and I. So the blessing belongs to us. And so I want you to read those. And you see how we're redeemed from sickness. Health belongs to us. We're redeemed from poverty. Blessing belongs to us. We're, received, we're, we're redeemed from death. Life is what, what belongs to us. And when you read through Deuteronomy, you see the blessing and the curse and so forth. Galatians 3.14, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and that you might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then I've got some scriptures in there about Abraham. I would encourage you to read them. And what you find is that Abraham was blessed. He was blessed in all of those areas. You see that he had abundance of prosperity. We see, we see that he had health. <clears throat> Abraham, at 140 years old, took a new bride and had kids. Holy moly. And he lived to be 175. And you know what? He was still sharp when he kicked off. Spirit leaves and you're gone. And we got kids all over the place. And so you're excused in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I just encourage you to take those notes and uh, look up those scripture passages and read them in the context of what they are in their notes because you got the same notes that I've gotten so you can just add to it. And uh, if you don't have one of the lessons, there's uh, uh, examples or there's copies in the back. And so feel free to take them and have a blessed time. Bye. Go home.